Good morning, Vineyard. That was, that was super weak, people. Yeah, I know there's eight of us in here, but it's okay. Well, I know that everybody from the speakers back are happy to see you. Thank you for being here. Say good morning to your neighbor. Good morning. And... Uh, this morning, we're going to do a special shout out to David Anderson. David Anderson, say good morning to David. That's it. I got nothing. We are happy to see you. We're happy to see the folks on Facebook. Thank you for being with us. We're going to open in prayer. And uh, I don't know about you, but I have an expectation to. Uh, just see the Holy Spirit do some great things this morning. Amen. 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 There you go. I know I have earplugs in, but I can still hear through those. So let's just pray. Not just pray. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We're so thankful that you're faithful to just the things in our lives, the good and the challenging. We're thankful of your pursuit of each one of us. And you take us just the way we are. And you love us so much that you don't want us to stay this way. So this morning, whatever you may be carrying or whatever you brought in or even the, the mountaintop experience that you're, you're being a part of, we just thank you that you're with us every step. Open our ears to hear and our eyes to see what you're doing, both individually in us and collectively in our community this morning. Give us words and give us scripture and even visions this morning. We thank you. We love you, Jesus. Hmm. You are worthy of all of our praise this morning. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. So if you feel like standing, you can get to your feet. We encourage a freedom of expression of worship. Uh, just mind your neighbor. So um, make sure you've got the landing zone if you're a, a flying worshiper. So, um, but yeah, just be comfortable. And um, yeah. Yeah, that's it.
sing, we are the sons and daughters. We are the sons, we are the daughters of God. And though we stumble, He will not let us fall. And He will never forsake His own. We are the sons, we are the daughters of Your praise, 
Good morning, everyone. So pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, and you'll understand what I mean in a minute. Um, (laughs) uh, Good morning, and welcome to the Vineyard Community Church. We are so glad that you could join us here at the Vineyard. Uh, All of you here and at home, our service today is live streaming on Facebook. Also, we will be sharing communion uh, following these announcements. So if you... um, do not have your McCup, which I had, and here it is. If you don't have your McCommunion cup, please ask someone. Raise your hand and someone will um, get one for you. And then those of you at home, please grab a cup and some bread or crackers so that you can join us. Um, Pastor Brent is beginning our new series, God Calling, a Journey Through the Old Testament of Those Who Were Called by God. Today's message is called Samuel. And that's found in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Grab your Bible or cell or laptop, tablet today to look up the text. You will also find it written partially um, in your bulletin along with a section to take notes. Today is Name Tag Sunday. We invite you to wear a name tag and take a moment to greet someone, to meet someone you may not know. We are having baptisms here today. That's the drums moving out. Yeah. Um, maybe God is calling you to make this declaration of faith and devotion to him. Baptisms will take place following today's service. Look, here is water. What can stand in the way <clears throat> excuse me, of being baptized? Acts 8.36. Feel free to stay after this service and to celebrate baptisms with us. <clears throat> Plan ahead. Marvin said, did you hear Marvin? Wave. Marvin said they have towels and extra clothes, so nothing's stopping you. <clears throat> Plan ahead. The CFK, Christmas is for Kids, fundraiser, dinner, and raffle is coming up Saturday, October 7th. Buy your tickets beginning today in the lobby. 
Yes, there are only roughly 130 days left in the year. So that's kind of scary. <clears throat> Sorry, I have a frog in my throat. <clears throat> are you a small group leader? <clears throat> or have you been thinking about being a small group leader and want to learn more? If so, please attend our small group leader training next Sunday, August 27th, following Sunday morning service. We will be, we will be preparing and going over material for our fall book study, The Reason for God, light refreshments will be provided. Don't forget today's offering. We have a small table set up at the back of the sanctuary for your offering, or you can donate with Zell. At this time, Charlie and Tracy McBride will come up to lead us in communion. Again, if you did not receive your communion cup when you came in, please raise your hands. And for those of you at home, Grab your cup and bread and join in. <clears throat> Good morning, everybody. <laughs> uh, we're just extremely thankful to be doing communion with everybody here today. Um, oh. Ducky's coming. Ducky's going to do communion with us, too. Um, <laughs> don't expect him to say much. So He might say mommy. So um, We forgot that we were doing it this morning, so give me a second. Um, <laughs> but at least uh, we're here this time. Yes. <laughs> um, communion is just a great time for us to... Uh, remember everything that the Lord has done for us and just together um, reflect on that. And that's what we're going to do this morning. If you're at home, I hope that you have a cracker and some juice or whatever, whatever you have uh, to join us this morning. Um, at the final supper, we do this in remembrance of Jesus. He, he told us to um, partake in the bread, which is his body, which was broken for us. We're going to do that now. And then he held up the glass and said that this wine is my blood poured out for you. Um, partake in this in remembrance of me. Was that good, Ducky? <laughs> Father God, we just thank you for your, for your great sacrifice on the cross um, that you would lay out your life so that we could uh, lead a new life uh, forgiven and be sons and daughters of the King. And uh, we just pray that you continue to bless us in your grace and your love. Amen.
Morning. Thanks to our worship team and Michelle and the whole community for everything everybody does. Thank you. And for um, Diane Yurek, who's been helping take care of our outside, and, and a few other people have been doing that as well. And we're really thankful for that, our, some of our landscaping. Um, I'm still hopping along because I'm waiting to get uh, uh, approval from Workman's Comp to get my hip fixed. Uh, I tore it up doing our food pantry. Whoops, there, there goes my pokey thing. Um, so if, you need, if, you, if you're not doing anything on Tuesdays or if you want a way to serve... Um, helping, I guess I'm not a good advertisement for that, am I? I'm just thinking about that. I'm like advertising for the food pantry while I'm not walking. Um, but anyway, most people don't, well, never mind, some people do. <laughs> most people don't get, get permanent injuries from working at the food pantry, so you should all come. Um, no, it's, it's actually an amazing thing. I've been doing it since, we've had something like that going on here since, almost since I've been here. We started really early on back in the late 80s, actually. We started doing some food pantry stuff, and we've been doing it ever since then. And so, um, and I just happened to lift up a pallet by myself, which you shouldn't do, and tried to throw it, and, and I'm old. My body doesn't, my, my brain and my body haven't connected yet. They, my body thinks I'm 16, or my brain thinks I'm 16, my body realizes I'm actually 45, so um, so anyway, and you can pray for tomorrow. I have a hearing for I'm trying to get them, trying to get workman's comp to uh, just pay for the surgical stuff that has to happen in my hip. Um, so today we're, we're, we've been doing a series on calling, on God calling. And there's a bunch of different meanings behind God's calling. God's calling oftentimes is for specific things in specific places. You know, that God called Moses to the burning bush. We've talked about that. God called Deborah to be somebody in Israel. And she actually called Barak to go and fight this battle. And um, so God, God calls men, God calls women. And in this particular case, we're looking at God calling really a child. And his name is Samuel. And um, it's a, it's a, it gives us a, kind of an image of two things at once. One is, is God's voice and God's speaking and God's calling. The second one is God's word and the effectiveness of God's word. You know, most of us, don't, our, our words don't always carry a ton of power. God's words are amazing. When God said, let there be light, guess what happened? There was light. And so God literally can speak things into existence. And um, most of us don't have that ability, although Teresa and I do. We, um, we put in, some, some time ago, maybe a year ago or something, um, we have these two little closets. We, we, we have an old bungalow that was built in the 50s. And they had like these pull string lights in them. And mine, mine works okay. Um, and the string works good on it. But Teresa's had some challenges with hers because um, her ceiling's too high. 
the rope is too well. Actually, the the combination of the rope or the you know the little pull cord and just certain um, height challenges. I'm I'm going to get in trouble no matter what I say with this. So anyway, the light doesn't work well. So instead of um, running a, a like a switch down, I was kind of lazy and I thought, you know what? You can buy these smart lights, and I'm just going to buy a smart light. We already have a Google Mini up there, and all we have to do is say. I don't know if anybody has one of these on because it might trigger your thing, but um, all we have to do is say, hey, Google, turn on the lights or turn on lights or I don't know what we say, something like that, and, um, or, or turn off lights. And it, it will turn on both our bedroom light and the closet light most of the time. Sometimes it just decides to turn one light on and sometimes it decides to turn no lights on. But anyway, it's kind of amazing that we can, can just say something and something happens. Well, that's a little bit about what God's talking about here today. And it's also God speaking in a time, yet once again, in Israel's history, when really pretty difficult things are going on. The, um, I'll give you a little bit of background here. The, the temple was supposed to be, the temple was kind of like the church. And the temple was supposed to be run by priests who represented um, God to the people and the people to God. They were supposed to kind of, you know, represent who God was to the people and then bring the people's sacrifices and stuff to God. And so they were kind of intermediaries and things like that. Well, pretty early on, that system becomes corrupted. And so there's a guy named Eli, and he's like the head priest. And two of his sons are also priests because it was kind of a family affair thing back then. There were tribes that were, that were um, in charge of all this thing. And, and two of Eli's boys, he, I don't know if he had more or not, but anyway, two of them, Hopni and Phineas, were kind of like their names. Not If any of your names are Phineas, never mind. Um, anyway, Hopni and Phineas. And so Hopni and Phineas basically were abusing their power. And so they would sit outside as people were bringing their sacrifices in. They would try and take the best stuff. Um, the priests were supposed to be taken care of by the offerings and stuff, but not the way Hopni and Phineas were doing it. They were taking what God would have willingly given them, but they were taking it by force. And they were manipulating people. And they were also... Um, kind of, not kind of, they were abusing some of the women that were serving in the temple physically. And so there was just a whole bunch of yuck going on. And we can relate to that often when we, when we read about stuff in the church today, can't we? We see stuff in the news sometimes of pastors or priests using their positions um, to abuse people or to use people for their benefit. And one of the goals, I think, for any pastor, for any leader, is that that our role is not to use you for our benefit. We are to be servants to benefit you. Amen? Yeah, that's our goal. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Now, none of us do that perfect. Um, I, I mean, I get like the benefit of Denise's chair today, seat thing. She only uses this at Christmas, but I, I didn't ask to borrow it. Can I borrow your stool? It's going to cost me, Okay. So anyway, that's a background. So quick background. Um, so anyway, let's, let's catch up in the story. This is in the book of 1 Samuel. It's in chapter 3. And um, 
First Samuel is obviously kind of a book, it sounds like it's just about Samuel, but, and it isn't just about Samuel, it's really about the kingship and about God. It's about God. It's a story about God. But it starts out in chapter 3, and the reason it starts in chapter 3 is because that's where the call of Samuel happens. There's a couple things that happened before this that I'll get into in a little bit. Um, for, for Actually, for the, the existence of Samuel as a prophet, or his existence, period, how that came about. But anyway, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. And you can kind of see why, because the people that were supposed to be running the church or running the temple were abusing it. They weren't using it to speak the words of God to the people. They were using it for their own benefit. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down as usual in his place. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. They had this lamp that would stay lit from evening until morning. And Samuel was laying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Cool. Unless you have watched Raiders of the Lost, Lost Ark and then you think I'm going to get you know, destroyed by nuclear meltdown or something. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. Now it's interesting that term, here I am, is the same one that Moses uses when God calls him. When God speaks out of the burning bush, he says, here I am. When God speaks to Abraham, Abraham says, here I am. And so there's a, there's a very real sense in which when, we're saying, when God calls us and we go, here I am, we're, be careful what you're saying. Um, so Eli said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you, go back and lie down. So he went and he laid down. So, so Samuel's hearing an audible voice. And he's going, okay. You called me. And again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and <laughs> said, Here I am, you called me. And Eli goes, Did not. Did not call you. Go back to bed and quit saying I called you. I don't know if he's getting frustrated at this point, you know. Some of you who have kids, you know, can I have a drink of water? No. Can I have a drink of water now? No. No. So, you know, I don't know if that's what it was like for Eli. But anyway, and Eli was probably pretty young at this point because right in the chapter before this, it says that that Eli's mom, or that Samuel's mom, who um, plays somewhat of a significant role in this whole thing, uh, Samuel's mom used to make him little priest outfits to put on. And I I was going to put that, I wanted to get that in here because I thought it was cute. He's like, these little priest things, you know. I thought it was neat. We should make those for our kids, little priest uniforms. Um, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, but the, and the word of the Lord had not yet re- been revealed to him. So there's a sense in which Samuel, even though he's serving in the temple, even though he's serving God, there's a level of knowing that he hasn't experienced yet, of knowing God. And sometimes we can know God, or even know about God, but move into some deeper places with understanding who God is and what God is. My whole life has been one big, you know, connecting deeper with God kind of thing. And I hope yours is too. But there is a point where we do need to come to the realization that we need to know God. Not just know about Him, but know Him, to experience Him, to have Him in our lives. 
to walk in the reality of his presence. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized, so finally Eli goes, oh, this is probably God, that God was calling the boy. So Eli said to Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. Now, tingle, that's not a good thing. That means that everybody hears about it is going to go, Oh my, wow. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family. Because God basically, you know, when God sees injustice happening, especially when he sees injustice happening in his own community, he deals with it. He doesn't like it. He speaks about it. He judges it. Does that make sense? When he sees wrong things in our culture... He judges them. He speaks against them. When he sees racism, when he sees women being abused, when he sees boys being abused or men being abused, when he sees people in church using their position abusively, he deals with it. From beginning to the end, for I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. In other words, Part of Eli's complicity in this was his, his sons were doing this stuff and they were, they were part of this whole priest family and he was just kind of going, well, you know, boys will be boys. He, he sort of said, you guys shouldn't be doing this. Quit, you know, you got to stop. But he didn't really stop them. And so that would be the equivalent of, of what has happened many times in denominations, in associations, in churches, in, in, our, in the United States anyway, and probably around the world, where either a denomination or a church religious organization has just turned a blind eye to something terrible that's been going on. Sometimes it has had to do with, with sexual abuse with kids. Sometimes it's had to do with other things. And God sees that. And in some ways that's particularly abhorrent to God because the church is supposed to be the place where people can connect with the real God and not be abused. The church is supposed to be a place where people can come and and receive the grace and mercy of God, not the abuse of the world. The church is supposed to be a place where we can come and be have our souls filled up. Not that God doesn't challenge us sometimes, not that I shouldn't challenge you sometimes. But there's a difference between that and what was going on. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Now you go, why can't it ever be atoned for? Well, because they'd make a, a complete mockery of the sacrifice and the offerings. That's the way they were abusing it. They were taking the sacrifice and offerings before they even got to the place of being sacrificed. And they were just basically stealing them. And so Samuel lay down until morning, then opened the doors. And he was afraid to tell Eli about the vision. 
And, you know, so this is, you have to picture this. This is like a young, I don't know how old he is here, but he's, he's a young guy, and he's just learning to hear from God. These are the first words he hears from God. You know, I'm basically, you know that guy that's been basically being like a father to you and that's been raising you up and has been taking care of you, that's been watching over you all these years? You know him? Yeah. Well, I'm, I got some really bad news for him and you're going to deliver it. Can you imagine that as, Eli, as Samuel? This is the first words that God says. I have to tell people, because one of the things that God has, did pretty early on with me was begin speaking to me. And people are like, wow, I wish God spoke, God spoke like that to me. And I'm like, well, he does, I think, to a lot of people, but you better watch what you wish for. Because what he does with Samuel, he says, okay, go and tell Eli this stuff. And so Samuel's kind of trying to duck it. And Samuel answered, here I am. Eli calls him. And he said, what did he tell you? Eli asked, don't ever hide it for me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide anything from me, you told me. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. And the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. Wow. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh. And there he revealed himself to Samuel. How? Through his word. And the first point I want to make out of all this, and I didn't cover this in the reading, but is that God's call is often birthed out of desperation. Samuel comes into existence through this story of this woman, this woman and this man, who are kind of nobodies. Um, it's Elkanah and Hannah. And this, this, this man has two wives. One of them is Hannah. And the other one is Panina, I think. Paninis? I think it's Paninis. Um, not really. It's something like that. Um, <laughs> I want you to go and tell somebody. Yeah, there's, a, there's this woman in the... Bible name Panini. Um, it's not really her name, but it's something like that. Anyway, um, she she's able. To, they, he had two wives. One of the reasons God doesn't doesn't do the polygamy thing. It just causes lots of trouble. Whether you have two husbands or two wives or whatever. But anyway, um, she, she used to harass Hannah because Hannah it says the Lord had closed her womb. And in that culture, and even in cultures today, when when a woman wants to have a child is not able. It can become just really overwhelming. Really overwhelming. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for the rest of his days and no razor will ever be used on his head. I see a lot of you fanning yourself. So if somebody wants to turn the air conditioning back on, you can. I'll just talk loud. Is that, can you still hear over the air conditioning on the audio or does it screw it up, Jim? It's fine? Okay. I just, I I don't want you all to dive, you know, as I'm speaking about pastoral abuse and then I'm making you sit through a sermon in in immense heat. I only made Jim and Denise do that during their wedding. That was my... um, 
So, thanks, Steve. So, Hannah is in this desperate place, and out of her desperation, she begins praying, and she says, God, if you will just give me a son, I will offer him back to you. You know, we do, we do child dedications here sometimes, and part of what a child dedication is, and in a very real sense, what our baptism is today, is it's a dedicating of our child or our you know, our family member back to God. We're saying, God, I, you gave them to me. I give them to you. And something I didn't know early on in my Christian walk was that when me and my brother were in the midst of being like, when, when people talk about how dysfunctional their families were, I'm like, oh, you got nothing. You know, that's, that's nothing. I mean, my family early on was really messed up to the point where where one night I'm sitting there and I'm watching my brother try and kill himself with his, with his, um, his, his he was a scuba diver, scuba diver knife, knife and, my, and my dad trying to hold him back from doing that all night. And my mom sitting there praying. That was a semi-normal occurrence. And I'm having people come in the house buying drugs from me. And my mom finally figures it out. She goes, are you... Why are all these people coming in for like 15 minutes and leaving? Like, well, I don't know. I guess they just want to say hi, you know. And their pockets are all full of stuff. And you're, how, how did you buy that new Mercedes Benz? Um, not really. But, you know, this, is what, this literally is what was going on with our, my family. And it was, it was a big mess. I was a mess. My brother was a mess. My brother spent about probably one year he spent about nine months in, in a sock like sock, sock psych lockup ward and my parents had to live through that can you imagine being parents and having your kids one of them is like the local drug dealer and the other one is is psychotic and having some really challenging episodes with just trying to not take his life and so my mom finally reached a point in her life of desperation where I didn't know this until, until after we'd, me and my brother both became Christians and we actually both got into ministry. I didn't realize it, but she basically told God one night, she said, God, I don't care what you have to do to my sons, just please save them. I, I just give them to you, I give them to you, take them and do what you will with them. And so... Everest. And my, both me and my brother ended up pastors. And now we know who to blame. It was my mom's fault. But isn't that amazing that out of her desperation and out of her brokenness came this cry that literally, because people always go, how did, you, did you have a, like a family members who were pastors? I'm like, no, my grandpa was an was a, uh, aeronautics engineer. He was literally a, a rocket scientist. And my dad ran a big machine shop. He was one of the pioneers for developing hard drives for computers and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's what I grew up with. I mean, that's what I knew. I was making speakers when I was like 8 and 10 years old. I loved designing stereo stuff. You know, that's what I was doing. How did I end up becoming a pastor? I think it was because out of my mom's desperation, she cried out and God said, okay, okay. And that's what happened here. Out of her desperation, God chooses to bring into the world one of the greatest prophets in the whole Bible. 
I mean, Samuel ends up being this amazing prophet. But it came out of this real deep bitterness. And any of you who are in that place of desperation, I want to encourage you not to give up. Don't lose heart. Continue crying out to God because you don't know what you're giving birth to. And you don't know what, what those prayers are doing. Those prayers gave birth to both my brother and I who hopefully have had some impact in this world for God's kingdom. The second thing we see is that the God's word never, light never goes out. In spite of all of the shenanigans of, of, of um, Hopni and, and um, Phineas, the Eli's sons, in spite of all that, in spite of the fact that Eli wasn't doing anything about it, there was, and in spite of the fact that there's still yucky stuff that goes on in the church today, uh, hopefully not, well, I'm sure we have whatever, but uh, hopefully if there's anything blatant, we, we, we have committed ourselves to deal with it, to not let it continue. But in spite of all of that, God is still at work. God is still at work. Sometimes it's so easy to get discouraged and go, oh my gosh, if the good people are this bad, how are the bad people? You know? But it's kind of telling when it says one night when Eli, whose eyes were so becoming so weak that he could barely see. And that was kind of a picture of Israel at that time. They could barely see. And it said at the very beginning of this passage that a word from the Lord was rare in those days and there was not many visions. There was not much of a connection with God. And I want to tell you that today that is not true. God is very active today. He's very active in speaking today. And he's going to speak to some of you this morning, I think. I think he already is. I think God's already spoken to some of you. And you've kind of been going... I don't know if that's exactly what you're doing, but... The lamp of God had not yet gone out. The lamp of God... God is so kind. You know why we're here? You know why why the church is here, you know why? It's not because we've historically, you know, humanity's been really faithful. It's because God has been really faithful. You know what the whole Bible is? It's a story about humanity screwing up again and again and again. You ever, when people, sometimes when they first start coming to church and stuff, they'll read the Old Testament and they'll go, man, they were, those people were really messed up. And I used to think that too, and then I realized, no, that's me too. We are really messed up, but we have a really faithful God who somehow is able to move his purposes and accomplish his purposes. And the lamp of God had not gone out. And God doesn't give up. And God is still working today. And some of you, God may be calling to be that light. Because he... When he begins doing this work, he usually does it through a person. When, he called, when, when Israel was calling out in Egypt in slavery, and they were calling out and they were saying, God, and it says, and God came down, and he heard their prayers, and he felt their pain, and he saw their suffering. And so what does he do? He calls Moses, right? And in the New Testament, when when so many people have been crying out for so many years, what does God do? He sends Jesus. 
We serve a God who, who speaks and who still calls today. A third time Samuel got the call. And he went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. And then Eli realized this was the Lord. Do you know, it takes a while sometimes to really understand and, and listen and get the voice of God. I still don't always get the voice of God. I had, a, not too long ago, I had a, I had a dream. And, it, and I have dreams all the time, and I kinda, a lot of times I just blow them off. But I, sometimes I don't. And you can ask the staff, sometimes the dreams are kind of accurate which is usually, the staff is usually going, don't, don't share us any stinking dreams. Um, so anyway, um, I, you know, I had this dream, and I'm thinking, hey, this is really weird. Teresa goes, what, how was your sleep? And I didn't want to tell her. I'm like, eh, it was okay. I didn't want to say that. It was a bizarre dream. So anyway, later on, it's either that week or sometime, I had this meeting with somebody, and I'm sitting there, and in the middle of it, God just says, share that dream. And I'm like, what? Share that dream. And I did. And I thought, okay, this is like big time risky. And I share it. And the person literally just sits there and goes, whoa, that's my life. And then the numinous, have you ever heard of the term numinous of God? It means the presence of God, the closeness of God. The numinous of God was just really, I felt the nearness of God. I felt, I felt like, oh my gosh, God came into my dream last night and implanted a, a dream. He spoke to me in a dream. And I, and I realized how kind of other and freaky that was. And, I, and then I thought about, God, I am so unworthy. You ever watch Wayne's World? That was an old movie where they keep going, we're not worthy, we're not worthy, we're not, you know, do you know, isn't that Wayne's, is that Wayne's World? I think so, we're not worthy. And you know, if you ever have one of those, when I have those kind of encounters with God, you know what my first response is? I am not worthy. And I think, God, there are so many, I, what, I, I get speechless. And so I'm sitting there with this person and they're becoming undone in a good way. And you know what? We have a God who still speaks today. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I'm going to pray for you today that, that you're able to hear the voice of God. And sometimes God speaks through dreams. Sometimes he speaks through visions. Sometimes he speaks through other people. And we'll get into one of the main other ways he speaks here. The God we serve is a God who speaks. And he begins to learn the voice of God. When I first became a Christian, I used to, I felt like I was always a a day late and a dollar short because I would kind of know something about somebody or something that was going to happen, and then I wouldn't say anything, and then something would happen. I'd feel like I was supposed to call somebody, and I wouldn't call them, and then I'd find out the next day that their husband had died or something, and I'm like, oh, I should have called. I screwed up, you know. And I, and it, but you know what? A lot of that, have you ever, any of you ever had that kind of stuff happen? It's like, a lot of that is kind of learning to hear God's voice and learning to, to understand it and what to do with it. And how to respond to it. Because God speaks to us in a lot of different ways. You know, God can speak to us through a 
just a gentle nudge, like, hey, if somebody keeps coming to mind over and over again, give them a call. You know? God, on rare occasion, like I shared with you a while ago, has given me, like, literally kind of a vision picture when I was getting ready to come to church that one day, and I saw this, kind of this picture. It was like a, like a really good um, uh, television picture, you know, like if you get one of those really good TVs with the organic LEDs and all that stuff, it's kind of like that picture of my dad coming to me, and, and he died several years ago, coming to me and speaking to me, and it was, it was really cool, and it wasn't something I was looking for, I was just getting ready to go to church, I'm just like going to church, and God meets me, God's met me in church, God's met my wife in church before, he's given her images and pictures. God's call sometimes when he does come to us is the difficult tasks. Samuel asks to hear God's voice. And the first thing that comes... And by the way, I want want you to be really careful with this because a lot of times we've had some horrible prophetic stuff where people have come up and one time when somebody came up and spoke to one of our staff members and said, thus says the Lord, you're going to die. And the person's like, what? It's like, well, I suppose eventually. You know, and, and then we had an, another guy once who he spoke up in church and he said, this church, <laughs> like, this church is like, it's like a squirrel that ran out in the road and the car missed it. But then it ran out again and got squished. And then the guy sat down. We're like, Jim and I are looking at each other like, okay, what the heck? You know, like, what is that? In general, you know, prophetic stuff is encouraging for us. But sometimes it's calling us to difficult tasks also. Think of Martin Luther King Jr., who was called to go out and to deal with, with something that was so huge in our culture, the racial injustice that was going on. And he was called by God. And he said this once, and I thought it was really interesting. He had, he had gotten a call, being, and it was a call threatening to blow up his house and kill his family. Martin Luther King Jr. had. And that was pretty regular for him. And one day he was just getting so discouraged. He was just like, you know what, God, I don't want to do this anymore. This is too hard. This is too hard. Can you imagine that, getting calls almost every day? That, hey, I'm going to come and blow up your family because... You're black, and you're trying to, to change our society. But he had a call, and he said hearing God's voice was critical for the prophetic witness of Dr. King. In January 1956, during Montgomery bus boycott, he received a threatening phone call late at night. He couldn't sleep. He went to his kitchen and took his problem to God. He was at a breaking point of exhaustion and about ready to give up. And he spoke to God and he said that, and he, said that the, he experienced the divine and could hear a quiet assurance of an inner voice saying, stand up for righteousness, stand up for truth, and God will be at your side forever. His fears and uncertainty ceased because God spoke and gave him an inner calm. God provided the interior resources for him to do the social justice work that he was called to. He needed God to speak first, then he could act. He listened prayerfully, then he proclaimed prophetically. 
The same was with, with Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa's thing wasn't just about starting orphanages. It was about addressing the issues in India of just abandoning a whole population of people and leaving them to die on the streets. She was, her call was... And so our calls in life aren't always easy. But they're always amazing. And they're always bringing about God's kingdom. My challenge to all of us today... Oh, by the way, and this is my last and main point. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground, and all of Israel, from Dan to Bathsheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord, and the Lord continued to appear to Shiloh, at Shiloh, where he revealed himself to Samuel through his what? Through his word. One of the primary ways God speaks to us is through his word. And I want to encourage you. You know, we're not, we don't do this thing. This, we're not left without a guide for how we are to live, for how we are to live morally, how we are to live ethically. We're not left without a guide for that. When the, when the, when the Old Testament prophets are speaking, they, said, they, they start out their prophecies by saying what? The word of the Lord came to me. The words of Scripture are not just some human being writing some stuff down that they thought was bad or good. It's the word of the Lord. And one of the ways we, we know that's true is because of how Jesus dealt with Scripture. Do you realize how, much, how many times Jesus goes back to the Scriptures when he's being tempted? What does he do? He goes to the Scriptures. When he's going to the cross, what does he do? He, he quotes Scriptures. When, when Peter's trying to cut off the ear of, of the um, soldier... And Jesus stops him and says, says, Peter, no. If you do this, he said, if I wanted, I could call my, my father and he would send 10,000 angels and just wipe out the whole Roman army if I wanted to do that. But then would, how would scripture be fulfilled? And one of the things we're called to and one of the things I'm called to is to faithfully communicate this to you. And last of all, he speaks to us through his son. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. You know that Jesus made the universe? This Jesus that we serve is not just a good teacher, not just a good man. Good teachers and good men don't make universes unless you're in the Marvel comic series or whatever. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Jesus was an exact image of God in human form, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Do you know that the reason we even exist today is because of... I don't, I don't get this, I don't understand all this, but the reason we even are existing is because of the sustaining word of Jesus. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. So Father, we 
we offer this morning. We offer those who are getting baptized up to you. We offer ourselves up to you. I pray for those who have really felt God's call and have been kind of ducking it vocationally. I feel like, Lord, you call all of us to something. Help us to hear you better. Help us to be willing to take risks when we have a dream or a thought or a vision. Help us to not be afraid. And help us, Lord, to be people who literally represent who you are and what you are about. We want to speak your words. We want to show the world who you are, God. We want to show them who you are, Jesus. Help us to do that. Help me to do that. All all the days of my life, all the rest of the days of my life, help my wife and I to do that. Help our church to do that. Help Jim and Denise to do that. Help all of our staff to do that. Help our small group leaders to do that. May we all represent you really well. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. While we're getting ready for um, baptism, we're going to just have opportunities for prayer. If you want to really learn how to hear from God better, come on up and and I will give you a 30-second lesson. No, I'll pray for you. I'll just pray for you that God will help you be able to hear from God better or know His will for your life, okay? So if you want prayer, come on up. They're going to get stuff set up for the baptism and then we're going to celebrate with some baptisms.